Thank you for joining us as we continue in our series looking at the greatest commandment to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength and to love our neighbour as ourself. Uh, Today we're looking at what it means to love our neighbour as ourself. Now I suspect that many of you have heard the saying, good fences make good neighbours. Now, originally, that phrase, which I think is from a famous poem, was written about a pastoral, a farming context, where indeed having a good fence, which meant that your cattle didn't wander onto the property of someone else, made you a good neighbour to them. So good fences make good neighbours. But we tend to take that um, statement out of context and interpret it in a different way, as in um, a good fence between you and I will make us good neighbours of one another. If we can respect each other's privacy, that, that's what a fence does, makes, you know, keeps my side private, keeps your side private. Good fences make for good neighbours. We're such individuals these days, no surprise that we take it out of context to take it differently. I searched for some good, clean jokes about neighbours and there are lots of neighbour jokes. Um, There are lots of neighbour jokes, but many I found were actually quite passive aggressive, like this one. Um, My neighbour listens to loud music late at night. I love my stereo. Yeah, quite passive aggressive. Um, or, or this one, my neighbour came round to borrow, ask if he could borrow my lawnmower. And I said, yep, fine, as long as it doesn't leave my property. <laughs> so, you know, jokes aside, Jesus said that to love our neighbour as ourselves, um, along with this commandment to love God, that, that with those two, there was nothing greater, no greater commandment than those two. So let's um, see if we can gain a fresh understanding of this very familiar statement, to love our neighbour as ourself from Mark chapter 12, verse 31. And I want to approach this statement looking at the who, the what, the why, and the how of loving our neighbours as ourselves. And firstly, who is our neighbour? The word, the Greek word for neighbour is plesios, and it is connected to another word, Pelas, which means near. And certainly as we read the Old Testament, the way the Israelites interpreted, understood the word neighbour did mean someone who was very close to you, um, so the one standing near, the one that was related to you by blood, the one who actually dwelt geographically in your neighbourhood. We read this in Exodus chapter 12, verse 2, Exodus 11, 2. Um, the one who belongs to my surroundings and my life, the one with whom I have to do, Uh, my friend in 2 Samuel 13. Uh, In Leviticus 19, which is the passage that Jesus is quoting from the Old Covenant when he says this command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. In that passage, the law, this law of loving the neighbour was restricted to fellow Israelites, to those within the covenant. Uh, But in the New Testament, As Jesus teaches what it means to be a neighbour, Jesus takes a very broad understanding. It is more uh, our fellow human, uh, those, um, you know, he doesn't restrict those to whom we are to show love. 
Um, in Matthew 5, you'll know that passage where Jesus says that we are to love our enemies, uh, whether they're near or far. They're not, you know, we're not just to love those that are near to us, those that are like us, those that are in our family or friendship group or in our church. We are, our neighbour is much broader than that. And in Luke 10, that passage that was just read about the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus really turns it around, not, not to ask the question, who is my neighbour, but um, who is the one who is a good neighbour to others? Uh, because the neighbour is the one who shows mercy. Uh, the one who fulfils what it means to be neighbour is the one who shows mercy to, to others. Um, and as such, you know, Jesus is the great pattern of fulfilment for this command. For he showed mercy. He showed mercy. He is the great good neighbour to us who came from heaven, dwelt among us, um, and gave his life on a cross for many of whom considered him their enemy. He loved his enemies. Uh, he was the true neighbour. He really does fulfil um, this, this command to love your neighbour as yourself. Uh, he reminded us, reminded the disciples, and it's recorded in Matthew 25, that whatever we do for others, whenever we help someone else, we're actually doing that for God. What a profound, what a profound truth. So who is our neighbour? The great preacher who passed away a few years ago, uh, Haddon Robinson, said this. He said, your neighbour is anyone whose need you see, whose need you can meet. Your neighbour is anyone whose need you can see, whose need you can meet. Uh, the neighbour is someone who understands that what's mine is actually God's and what is God's is my neighbour's, belongs to my neighbour. So our understanding of who is our neighbour should be quite a broad one. And we look to Jesus to explain what it means truly to be neighbourly. Well, what are we to do with our neighbour? The command says we are to love our neighbour. Um, here's another joke that I came across about a little girl who, with her family, went next door to their, literally their neighbour's house for dinner. And the neighbour served up um, some broccoli in a cream sauce. And the neighbour said to the little girl, do you like broccoli? And the little girl said, oh, yes, I love it. And then they ate their meal and the neighbour noticed that um, the little girl didn't actually eat any of the broccoli. And uh, she asked her, I thought you said you, you loved broccoli. And she said, oh, well, not that much. <laughs> and um, which, I, I fear that many of us are a little bit like that, kindly disposed. Yes, you know, yeah, oh, yes, yes. Um, we know that we ought to love our neighbour. We know that we ought to be nice. Um, we ought to be kind. And, and notionally in our head and our heart, we have this idea. But when it's inconvenient to us, when it involves some unpleasant action, we can back off a little bit from, from doing that those practical love uh, actions. Maybe that's too harsh at the moment because if, if, if we've been shown anything over the past 12 months during this coronavirus pandemic, it has been what great neighbours, literal neighbours, geographic neighbours, people have been to one another. You know, who can forget um, that wonderful video seeing in Italy where people stood on their apartment balconies and sang to one another? Um, you know, the pandemic lockdowns have seen all sorts of, you know, isolation, over-the-fence dinners, uh, Bunnings runs, supermarket runs, bakery runs and milk runs for, for our neighbours. Uh, there's been a lot of good 
good neighbourliness that has been happening over the last 12 months, very heartwarming and really something for us to build upon going forward. So here we are commanded to love and love is usually a very practical thing. Now, why should we do this? We've talked about um, who is our neighbour, what we're to do, we're to love, but why do we do it? Um, Jesus said, love your neighbour as yourself. And you know, there's a few ways we can take that sentence, love your neighbour as yourself. Um, often we interpret it as, you know, that golden rule. We are to love others as much as we love ourselves. So our self-love becomes the thing that instructs us um, to love others. The way that we love ourselves is the way, same way we love others. So we're to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. Um, the problem with interpreting this passage that way is that it kind of makes our self-love um, the model, which doesn't feel right, that, that our love for ourselves, uh, which can often lead us into sin, that 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 is the model for how we love others. Certainly it's instructive, but uh, it's also no good to anyone who's suffering from low self-esteem. Uh, won't help them at all. Another way to look at this love your neighbour as yourself is to put all the stress on the first part of the sentence. Love your neighbour. We are to love others. Uh, we are to love others. But I think a wonderful way to interpret this is how the great theologian Karl Barth um, interpreted this command. He said, we are, to, we are to love others as we have been loved ourselves. We are to love others as we have been loved ourselves. And that's been instructive for us as we've looked at um, the first commandment Jesus gave, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul and strength, because indeed he is the one that first loved us. We love because he first loved us. And again, we love others because we have been loved by God. Uh, love is the greatest command. We have been loved by God and that impels us forward in our love of others. And this seems consistent with what Jesus taught and modelled to us. We love God because God first loved us. Jesus is God revealed to us. Jesus reveals the depth of love between the Father and himself. Uh, he reveals the kindness to all humanity, which we ought to be driven by. How does he do that? By demonstrating godly kindness to us, by redeeming us, by saving us. Uh, Jesus reveals how much God loves us. And this instructs us about how to love others. This, this is our motivation, this is our model, this is our foundation for loving others because we are loved and others we know are loved by God as well. Well, how are we to do it? Uh, the Bible is actually full of many practical ideas for how we can, as individual people, how we can each love others. Uh, so in Proverbs 19, it says, be kind to the poor. In Acts 20, be kind to the weak. In Matthew 25, where Jesus says, whatever you do to the least of these, you do to me. He's talking about, you know, when you see someone hungry and you feed them, thirsty um, or, or needing clothes or sick or in prison and you help them, then you are indeed fulfilling the law of, of love and loving God uh, as well, loving God back through your actions to others. Hebrews 13 says we ought to share 
we ought to share with others. And actually another story I came across was an old Jewish story about two brothers who each owned a farm right next to each other. And one, uh, one of the brothers was married with children and one was a single man. And when it came to harvest time and they were, they were each harvesting their crop, um, the one who was married with children, uh, you know, looked over the horizon to where his brother's farm was and, and, and thought to himself, you know, oh, my poor brother, he's all alone and doesn't have anyone to help him you know, with the harvest. So at midnight, he took, uh, you know, about half what he'd harvested that day and carried it over secretly to his brother's farm. Um, what he didn't know was his single brother had looked over the horizon towards his farm and thought, oh, my poor brother who's married with kids, you know, like so many mouths to feed. And he collected half of what he'd harvested that day. And, you know, just shortly after midnight by moonlight took over half that harvest to his brother's farm. And this proceeded. And of course, um, it wasn't until their paths literally crossed that they realized what had happened. Um, we are to be generous to others, Proverbs 22 verse um, 9 says we are to share with others and in James chapter 2 we're told that it's no good claiming to have faith and not to have good deeds that accompany them or another way to think about this is it's no good saying we've got faith in God we've got this you know we've got this vertical relationship to God worked out because if we haven't got our horizontal relationship to other people worked out um James is saying that uh, you know we can't we can't we can't claim to have faith in God and yet not have deeds. Um, one flows to the other. Our love for God, our 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 receiving of God's love, um, will see itself in in the fruit of our love for other people. Well, such verses, such verses as these, have inspired individuals to do amazing things like go go to the mission field, um, go to start hospitals or uh, charities to sponsor children, to become foster parents, to, to, to give uh, to charities, to join clubs, to join all sorts of civic activities because they are a way in which we can find out the needs of others and actually share with others, be generous to others, help others. Uh, Philippians 2 verse 4 says that we ought to look to others' interests, not just our own. But of course, we can apply this not just as individuals, but also as a church. It's in Luke chapter 10, where Jesus sends the disciples out on mission, that he sends them out in pairs and creates this wonderful model, like loving our neighbour isn't all about what we do as individuals. But we know that collectively, as a group of people, uh, we can accomplish much more, um, you know, the sum of which is greater than what we can all individually do. And Ephesians talks about all the members of the church being like bits and pieces of a body that work together as a great team. So collectively, as churches, as members of churches together, we can fulfill this command in amazing ways. We can love our neighbours. Literally, we can love the people in that geographic patch in which we find ourselves. So if you're watching and you go to Warrigal Anglican Church, which is where I'm preaching from today, then you know we, we can together work out how we love the 16,000 people that call Warrigal home. Uh, if you're watching from another church, then you can think about the community that your church is in and ways in which your church can band together to meet the needs, to share, to be generous, to show love to others. 
Um, as our church has, we have a vision and we have a vision of serving the people in the community. And just, I think, about 18 months ago now, we closed down our op shop. Um, it had been working for many, many years, but found itself um, being one of about seven op shops in our town. Um, and, and, you know, it was just, it was a time for us to end that season and to look for new ideas of ways in which we can be present in our community and serving um, people in our community. We have this dream that we will start a new social enterprise. And this command to love our neighbour as ourselves and to think about our needs ought to inspire us to each be thinking um, what other ways in which our church can be present in our community, serving the needs of others, loving the stranger, loving the needy, loving the hungry, and so on. Um, we know some of the needs of our community from data which is freely available to us. Uh, we know that in our town, we have higher than average numbers of single parents, of blended families, and of families that are just building themselves up, just moving in and buying houses and starting families. So we know some of the needs of our families um, and of people living in our community. We also know that we have higher than average numbers of retirees moving into our town as well, our wonderful town. So, you know, if you are a member of our church, watching this, I want to encourage you to pray big, dream big, think big and talk with others in our church and talk with me about ideas that you have for ways in which we can uh, find a new way of being present and meeting the needs, loving our neighbours, the neighbours that God has given us here. Um, yeah, if, no matter what church you're going to, I want you to be inspired by this verse, love your neighbour as yourself, to be thinking of ways that not only you as an individual, but that your church, working with others, working in teams, what can you do, start, jump in and be involved in that will love the neighbour as yourself, as you yourself have been loved. Thanks for listening.